0: Hello Marvelites, welcome to another episode of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by...
1: Blake Garris, and we have the pleasure of sitting with... Introduce yourselves, sirs. Elijah Wood. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. (laughs) The Spanish Tom Cruise. (laughs) Eugenia... Mira. thank you very much incredible pronunciation thank you thank you uh, and you guys are
0: you just worked on uh, grand piano yes I uh, watched it last night loved it oh, I was really? not expecting the level of suspense and tension oh. that was going on I was like okay cool it wasn't I didn't read anything about it like yeah. he handed me the DVD and he's like watch it get ready I was cool. like okay cool and I watched it and I'm, like I'm, I'm getting like oh, on my seat you. my wife too she she wasn't I was like, Do you want to watch a movie? And she's like, Yeah, well, sure, whatever. She's doing stuff. And I look over at her and she's just like rapped. Amazing. She's great. And she's a she's wonderful. A, she's a music person. She has a PhD in music, oh, she oh, teaches wow. music. And she got irked by one phrase in the movie. Like oh. there was one term that she was like, that wouldn't be applied here. But I've watched her watch music, you know, movies with deep music, and yeah. she usually picks apart. Nothing else. What was
2: the phrase? Do you remember?
0: I don't. I, it was something that I just... It was something that the conductor says. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Well, it, it makes sense because... Uh, well, I'm a musician myself, so I I had to uh, stop at a certain point. I said, well, we're not making a documentary about... what I, I mean, a lot of things like, uh, about how the pianist plays and all that. It's totally. I mean, another dimension. It happens in another dimension, not in real life. So. So this movie been in the works for a long time, and you've been thinking about it. Well, the thing is that uh, I read the script back in two thousand and eleven. That's what it came. It came to me through North Roman Pictures that uh, this uh, producer Rodrigo Cortez directed this movie called uh, Barrett with Ryan Reynolds that takes place in a coffin. Mm-hmm. And he and his partner Joanne Guerra, well, suddenly they were like very hot, and people were expecting from them, you know, new stuff and new. Uh, improbable and unorthodox kind of uh, thrillers. So, yes, they, they stumbled across this script and they sent it to me because they know that I, I love well music and cinema. And, and that's the beginning of it. I mean, I read it and I thought, wow, this is completely insane and crazy. And it's never been, it's, I mean, there's nothing like it before. And you're known for loving music yourself, too. Yeah. That's why you wanted to make this film.
2: It was certainly a part of it, yeah. It was definitely a part of it. The fact that music was the centerpiece of the film. I think also what was fascinating to me is that it's... It's a thriller, but a great portion of the film is in real time. So the fact that a a lot of the film actually takes place during this concert performance, I think that was something that was fascinating to me. It doesn't really divert from that. You're pretty much on stage for the vast majority of the film, and I was fascinated by that. And also, as an actor, the challenge of of playing a pianist... And I'm not a pianist. <laughs> um, was it was an exciting proposition. And really to work with Eugenio. Because we'd, we'd met two or three years prior at Fantastic Fest in Austin. And we'd gone twice in a row to Fantastic Fest with our mutual friend Nacho Vigalondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw the, the script came with his name attached to direct, I was just thrilled at the prospect of working with him.
0: Who did the piano scenes? Was that you, or was there someone else? Like, I, I couldn't
1: tell it. You know, I'm it's, it's, gonna go. I'm gonna go
2: out of the closet. I mean, this I is, did have a double as well, who uh, Hector, who was also my. If uh, you instructor.
1: break down the material that you've seen in sequence, uh, the amount of footage with hands, that are not his hands or any part of the body, is less than let's say something around 38, 40 seconds in the whole movie. That means that uh, some way we manage. Uh, a way to make you believe that he's playing all the time because he's on, on the shot all the time. And but sometimes you see hit the back of his neck, some of the times you just see one hand, some of the time you. It's it's a play. It's basically basically a misdirection. It's like a spell yeah. thing, and on the verge of witchcraft, I have to say, because he gave us way more than what we anticipated. So yeah, that that's was... where the magic comes. You push the envelope, but then he delivers more. Yeah, I love this man.
2: Oh, I love this man. <laughs> the music was predetermined, so it was all cut to he. I mean, a lot of his work was prior to actually shooting the film because it was the, the the music part of the film, which, again, it's like 70 to 80% of the movie, all of that was preconceived as a as an animatic, effectively. Um, and that had to be cut together mm-hmm. with the music and also timed out specifically because it wasn't like we were shooting master shots. Each shot led to the next shot, and each shot had to fit within a certain time code. Um, therefore, I had a very specific amount. It was like a roadmap for me about when... My face and my hands would be on camera at any given time, so I knew that those were the specific pieces of music to pay attention to that I had to learn. However, when we started shooting, there were plenty of scenes where it's like, oh, I'm just doing 40 bars. And it's like, ah, actually, the shot's extended. Now you've got to do these 20 bars that I didn't plan on having to learn. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of, like, me on my toes, like, okay, hang on, give me f- f- ten minutes, and, like, going off to the side and learning on a, on a keyboard and wow. being like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so I had to co- adapt, I to
1: adapt a lot. With his confidence, we got overconfident, I have to say. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but it was, like, uh, it was so tempting, you know, like, keep rolling and seeing that he was effectively... He thing, right- yeah,
2: that's the thing, too, is, like, if they,
1: if they kept the camera
2: rolling, I would just keep going.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Even
2: if I didn't quite know what I was doing, I, 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 it became approximation. And some of that is also because... We lived with this music. For three weeks, that's all we listened to, every single day. So I knew it so well. Yeah. I think it seeped into my, my being to yeah. where I, it made it easier for me to fudge it a little bit.
0: I Actually, I, I asked Magnolia today if they if there was a score or a soundtrack or something, because I loved the, the music itself. like Everything about it, I was well, really into it. it I
1: know big. that Cutting Edge uh, has intentions of releasing the soundtrack. That's what I know. But, uh, well, there's something coming that I don't want to... <laughs> Uh, yeah, spoil right a, now, there's, there's a, something coming that is cool. there's really There's a
2: potential coo- release that's very exciting. And it is
1: very cool. The way it's going to be released and the, con- the connotations and um, the relation of that particular package with the movie, it's uh, it's mind-blowing.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Very glad to hear it. <laughs> now,
1: you guys are here. You're visiting Marvel. Yeah. Uh, big Marvel fans growing up. Well, I have to say, this is very important. Let's talk about sequential art, my friends. Mm-hmm. It's a word that we didn't use in Spain this, as concept and I was raised, my parents, uh, they uh, studied art, and my father's a ceramic artist, so my sister and me, we've been exposed to music and, well, images, since we're kids, and they love cinema too, but they're not like film gigs, uh, they were just civilians that love singing in the rain, or, you know, or uh, Amadeus, you know, so the thing is that, um, being raised in the 80s, I was, uh, being in Spain, exposed to all this American pop culture, and, mm-hmm. and the UK, and music, and, and uh, I have to say that I started my first contact with making movies was drawing my own superhero comic books. And, of course, that were the, the, the base of that was DC and Marvel. That's what I did when I was a kid. Yeah. So um, I have full memories of, of the transition from that to... I mean, really, the, the, the amount of energy that you had to spend to create a vignette a panel and to think about what comes behind, before that and what it comes. And the fact well, that every... It's
0: like storyboards.
1: It's totally. Well, but the thing is that in comic books, something interesting is that every single image, it's invoking a lot of things right. going on. And the moment that you stay with one of those vignettes, it's like, creating, it's like solving some tension that it was presented before, and it's creating a new need to know what's going to happen. And even you have a, 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 a scope of the whole page. I mean, it's misdirection. It's what is being shown and what is not being shown, and the fact that you're going to turn the page. I mean, the, the fact that the guys who wrote comic books know that you're turning a page and that that specific thing is going to be like a cliffhanger, and there you go, and there's a splash page. I always use that as a... I mean, it's part of me, and directors that, you, that, that use it too, like Spielberg or stuff, I mean, sadly, it's the same language, music, uh, comic book. so it's been a huge thing for me.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because the... A lot of the scripts for comics, are they, they look like movie scripts, but some writers will go so in-depth in, in describing what they need to have in the background, like what you're talking about, mm. really establishing things that... If you're just looking at it very, you know, briefly, you may not even notice. But mm-hmm. the writer and the artist are putting these things in there for for a lot of effects.
1: You know, uh, I don't want to get too much in depth with this because this is a subject that is really like, oh my god, I go nuts with it. But uh, <laughs> to me, <laughs> <laughs> scripts uh, in the business it's uh, it's completely useless for for a director. Uh, the, the moment that I sit down to write uh, something, I always write my own stuff. That basically is a letter to myself, mm-hmm. and that's how how uh, the, the script the people that make the scripts for 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 comic books that's how they do it it's like they they have a letter to the the guy that's going to be drawing it it's like I see this apartment of this guy and it's like everything is like complete like in this movie but instead of, it's raining outside so that kind of uh, depiction of what you want to see that will be a script that my scripts will be like 800 pages if it comes to me <laughs> and then you made the effort to make it 100 pages to make sure that you send it to actors and stuff but if I write that stuff, it's more similar to something that... Um, I don't know. Nell Gaiman, for example, when he came out with a, with a Sandman, I know that it's this thing, but I have to go for it. <laughs> there, they, they, they published the scripts and the notes and the handwriting of how he was talking to the different uh, 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 artists. The artist, yeah. And the, the, the amazing thing is that, that when I read that, it's like that's what I've been doing since I'm a kid. I never read before I was 16 or 18 years old a, a script, an excerpt of a script for comic books. But Compared to what is a script, it's like a script is nothing. It's just dialogue and a little little know, description. And, yeah. and uh, I think that well, um, getting back to it, it's really important for me. The comic book thing is like um, where I started. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have particular characters, Marvel characters.
1: Yeah, well, to me, uh, first I gotta. Um, it's funny too because I never thought about this, but now trying because I I mentioned Vision, Vision before. Yeah. There's something that happened in the 80s, and I think that the, the beginning of modern, and uh, when I say modern, I mean sophisticated television. People talk about the, you know, the Sopranos and stuff, but to me it started with uh, Moonlighting, with uh, Bruce Willis and Seville Sheffield. I mean, the, the, the fact that that movie, that show was a meta, that they look, there's this fourth world, which, uh, they, they look at the camera, <laughs> or they were dressed and things, and that amazing things happened in the show. I wasn't supposed to see that show, <laughs> because I was a kid, yeah. but I saw it, and I learned about sexual tension and stuff, and and a lot of stuff that has been the, the 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 cornerstone for all the fiction that we we've been seeing until now. And when it comes to comic books, it happens the same thing: the vision and the red scarlet thing. That they, 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 when they're together and they're pretending to be just any other civilians, there's this. I don't know the title. This I think is "Trick or Treat." I think that it's called. And it's about it's 1996, I think. And it's the, the both of them moving to this manor, and they're protected by a spell by Thor because they are under attack by evil <coughs> forces. And it was, like, like way beyond anything that I've read of from Marvel or DC. It was, like, sophisticated. It was about a relationship of extraordinary people that wanted to have an ordinary life. And that was, like, the quintessential Rod Serling, Steven Spielberg way. Of course you understand that when you grow up, and you try to see where things come from. But for a kid, seeing these two guys on an Android that is beyond that, <laughs> it's not only an Android, and somebody that's like a supernatural witch, that they want to be together and de-attached from the Avengers for a while, like we have our normal. I never saw that in a comic book, mm. and that was something that it opened the, the Pandora's box for imagination. I have to be, I'll be very clear about that because it's real and it's parallel to to moonlighting. Mm. the sexual tension. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and, uh, I don't know if you know their history past all that, but there's some tragic stuff. I know, those, I know, I know. Those characters, characters died. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 totally. Yeah.
1: I bet the uh, the things that I read in Spanish back in the day. So all the things that I could tell you will have to translate. Was the kid that was like nuclear? There's the son of Mac pretty oh, Jesus. I, I forgot. <laughs> it's the father. It's like a, yeah, uh, the red scarlet brother, Quicksilver. Quicksilver, but it, yeah, but there's some kid that he had to save. It was amazing. The reason they had his arm, it was by the radiation. Suddenly, he he cannot use his function of being hyper solid or intangible. I I remember the. I wasn't ready for this interview and it's popping up <laughs> I love it this is like the first time moonlighting and comic books have come together yeah. in we the history <laughs> yeah, well,
0: thank you uh, what about you any particular characters I heard you like Fantastic Four uh, you know I, I the
2: Marvel Universe and comics in general I've uh, are not things that I'm that familiar with I've dipped in and out of comics sort of my entire life and I come in and I read something almost in its entirety and then I sort of step back out mm-hmm. again and then I get back in so I don't, I don't actually know Marvel that well. Uh, um, we gotta,
0: we gotta smarten you up. I know. We got a lot of books here. We'll get you some more. Throw you some. X Men is not Marvel, is it?
2: It is. See, X Men was my gem. Yeah. The, the thing I loved about X Men, uh, see, with comic books, I, I've always loved comics where I could, f- where I felt like I could connect to the mm-hmm. people involved. Batman is DC, obviously. Mm. The reason I love Batman so much is because he's a human. He's a human being in an extraordinary situation. The thing I love about X-Men is that they are, uh, you know, people with deformities, effectively, who are trying to coexist with humanity. Yeah. And that that was something that I was fascinated by. That's and I, initially, I think my, my introduction to them was the animated series back when I was a kid. And I just, I loved that they were struggling to just be human mm-hmm. amongst humans. Yeah. who I mean, it's about, it's about racism. It's about, you know, um, b- people being downtrodden because they're different. I mean, immigration. That, there's, there's h- immigration. There's huge, huge human elements to the, the, the storytelling within the, the context of the X-Men. So I've always been attracted to X-Men.
0: Yeah, I, and I think you hit a point when you, you talk about Batman, and everybody talks about Batman, Batman is the most Marvel character that they have at mm-hmm. DC because yeah. our characters are, they're flawed, they're mm. human right. they're they're thrust into situations that they Well, yeah I like, so I was never a superman for. fan how, I how mean do you I relate to that guy
2: th- That's the, that's the thing I mean I, I think that w- the only way you can is that he's he's an alien from another planet that's trying to adjust but even that it's just he's he's all he's all powerful it's hard to relate to him that's why you I I, I, I tend to relate to something that's a lot more human that has qualities that are Flawed and, yeah. and you know it, it gives us something to attach to. Totally,
0: like
1: you look at Spider-Man. And no, but getting back to the modern television thing, I think that Marvel is a reaction to. You what? But you said TV 20 years ago, and it was like, eh? <laughs> and now it's the only way you can get to interesting characters and relate to even the most extraordinary things, in a very like a uh, intimate bond. Yeah. But uh, the same Marvel, I think that what did did incredibly well is to say, okay, what if Clark Kent was this guy that it's. You know, living with her, you know, it's a reaction to something. It's like adding layers uh-huh. mm-hmm. and pushing the envelope to a different realm. And that's, I mean, that's out of discussion. I mean, that's something that I think that uh, at the same time it pushed DC to get more uh, dark here and there. Sure. Sometimes it's in it, sometimes not. <laughs> but uh, I, I like that these two forces trying to throw things to each other. Mm. And now we have movies. That Iron is, Man's a great
0: character, too. Yeah. Because Tony Stark is a great character. Tony yeah. Stark is
1: amazing. Yeah. Oh, the Man, guilt there oh and everything—you mm. know,
0: the what he goes through—it's—it's it's great. It's—it's it's, it's it's
1: uh, it, That's another one. Iron Man is one. Wolverine and and uh, Tony Stark are the two characters oh, that no, I Wolverine's read about. a
2: Great character.
1: I, the Mariko and all the whole thing in Japan. I mm-hmm. read that and it blew it blew my mind. It yeah. was like I never saw it as a comic book, and and it's the best compliment yeah. I can take. It was like a totally. Western thing about this guy. Out of his place. Oh my God, I love that one. <laughs> no, it's, it's popping up. If you, if you keep pinching, it's going to be something. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming in. Of course. Yeah, Thanks for awesome I hope you get
0: to see a little bit more of The Office. Uh, of course. Make, make sure one of the editors shows him something cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, man. This man. is Marvel, your universe.